So I have been a huge fan of Truniagen for years, and that's why I am super excited to share that I've recently began partnering with them. I literally don't miss a day taking it. And if I were to only take one supplement, this is the one. And here's why. Our bodies produce a molecule called NAD, which is critical for our cellular energy and repair. But the levels sadly decline as we age. A nutrient that can help increase our NAD is a form of vitamin B3 called nicotinamide riboside, otherwise known as NR. It is the most efficient way to get this is through this Truniagen because it's the best NAD precursor around. Truniagen helps support our bodies against everyday stressors that can really damage our cells like overeating, drinking, staying up too late. In my opinion, no one is too young to take it. I wish I knew about this in my early 30s. And what's most amazing is that Truniagen is backed by 18 clinical trials and has endorsements of two Nobel Prize winning scientists. So go check it out at truniagen.com. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N. And we have a special offer for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $100 or more using the code HUSTLE20. So definitely run, don't walk, and scoop some up now. Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have my friend, Max Lugavir. Max is a filmmaker, a health and science journalist, and the author of the extraordinarily popular New York Times bestseller, Genius Foods. He's written multiple books. His latest book is called Genius Kitchen, which is over 100 easy and delicious recipes to make your brain sharp, body strong, and of course, taste amazing. Uh, Max appears regularly on The Dr. Oz Show, The Rachel Ray Show, The Doctors, and he has right now the number one health podcast on iTunes called The Genius Life. I had a really fantastic time with Max. We had a really good conversation, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And let me know how you feel, and if if you can leave a, a review, subscribe, whatever it is, just communicate some way so I know you know I care. All right, have a great time listening to this podcast. Enjoy. I have Max Lugavere's back on Habits and Hustle, you guys. And um, this is the second second visit. First one was on the treadmill. It was on the treadmill. <laughs> I'm happy to be seated for this, this round. You are, right? Because uh, you were sweating profusely. So was I. It was very hot in there that day. And today, of course, we're like actually like civilized sitting here. Um, and Max has yet another book coming out. Very exciting, very uh, anxiety producing. I'm a little self-conscious because I'm actually on the cover of this book. He's more than just on the cover. First of all, I was laughing because uh, you're at, it, it's basically like a coffee table of Max Lugavere. It's basically like modeling in different shots with different types of food. You know, here's Max with spaghetti. Oh, my God. <laughs> here's Max with a keto, you know, with a, a spaghetti squash. I don't know. It's, it's hilarious. N- it is nuts. It definitely, I had to like... Take a handful of Xanax before shooting. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't think you must like it a little bit. Um, no, I mean, there, there definitely there's a there's an, a side of me that loves like to perform and that loves like to communicate to an audience. And and yeah, I, you know, there there definitely is that like nar- slightly narcissistic gene in me, which I think makes me perfect for what it is that I'm doing. Right, right. You have um, to have a little bit of it. Yeah, because I mean, I get for the same amount of um, uh, like 
for the same like praise that I get, I get like a certain fraction of criticism as well that the fact that I love doing what I do yeah. is, is what makes it all worth it. It's what pulls me forward. It's what Jordan Peterson calls the noble aim. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's definitely built into my DNA to enjoy what it is that I'm doing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think that emotionally I'd have the grit for the haters online and the trolls and whatever if I didn't. So yeah, so I do, I like it. I can't imagine like who's actually going to be criticized, not the ladies, the ladies are definitely not <laughs> criticizing you, hence the coffee table book, but I guess people who are just like the haters who are either jealous or, I mean, that's who we usually are, the trolls and the ones who hate are the yeah. ones who are kind of unhappy with what they are in their life. Well, it's interesting. Like when you write about nutrition, nutrition is something that people feel very, have very strong opinions about because what you true. eat, how you eat is part of your identity, right? So if you're out talking about a diet that doesn't jive with the diet that you've built your whole identity on, then you're going to feel an affront to who it is that you are at your core. Yeah. And so I get a lot of people, I mean, my, my primary haters are- um, Vegans? Vegans, <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting because I'm also very much pro eating plants. So my haters are not, I don't have a lot of carnivore haters, but for some reason it's the vegan, it's whatever the mindset is that that compels a person to take on such an extreme diet. Right, um, yes. They tend to- come after me and they're not they're not like they don't necessarily follow me they usually find my posts from the explore page or they stumble upon like one of my videos online but i you know i've got nothing but love for for them nonetheless even though the things that they can they, that they say sometimes can be really vitriolic um and mean-spirited which is kind of ironic but um but yeah for me it's really all about helping people separate fact from fiction and if that means um going to places that could be potentially not the most politically correct, then I just have to go there. Right. It's because it's also being authentic to who you are. Yeah. But you know, I think overall social media is that way where if you are not on board with exactly what that person or, or that organization is, then you're demonized in general. Yeah. So like it's the same with foods, especially, I mean, with the, the very, there's people who are super, the vegans are, they could be so fundamentally vegan if you got i've lost actually a couple of friends of mine who were very very vitriolic towards me because i like to eat chicken yeah and they won't go out for dinner with me now because it's offensive to them yeah it's silly it's like it doesn't make any sense to me it really doesn't yeah it's a problem the other the other cohort that i think i get some hate from are like the hardcore credentialists like people who are like if you don't have an md or a phd after your name you have no business talking about right. nutrition and i'm like journalists can talk about whatever the hell they want that's for true um and second of all I think that if there's anything the past two years have shown us is that credentials don't really necessarily guarantee that a person knows what they're talking about. Absolutely not. Um, you know, just just take the range of opinions that we have about any given topic today. And so, yeah, it's a... Uh, well, you always... Because well, like you were saying, like just now, like you've become a little bit more outspoken with like how you believe. Like you're not so... I don't... I don't it's not that it's so extreme, but... You know, did, were you concerned about like the cancel culture at the beginning or never? You just want to kind of be honest and be who you were. And yeah, I was never concerned about cancel culture. I, to me, authenticity is is the it's the number. It's the most important thing. It's like the most important thing, especially for me, because I don't have those credentials to lot to rely on. I have my story. Yeah, that's my credential. The fact that I got into this because I had a family member, which we talked about on the previous podcast, yeah. but that my mother was so sick and that. You know, for years, I was me and my family were left desperate for answers, and it compelled me to use the skills that I had 
to become a, a sort of citizen investigator to mm -hmm. to try to get to the bottom of why my mom was so sick, why she developed this rare form of dementia at such a young age, what could be done to potentially help her? Was there a dietary pattern out there, any diet? And I, I approached these topics with an open mind, you know? So if you would have told me 10 years ago that veganism was the way, I would have said, okay, show me the evidence, but I'm I'm game if, if that's what the, if that's what is borne out in the research, which is of course not the case, but um, but yeah, so I, I just approached these topics with an open mind and I was as rigorous as I could be. And I always stayed open to learning and to being challenged and to challenging my own assumptions, which I think is so important. And that's what drives me every day. It's I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to, you know, now I have genius kitchen coming out. I've been, I'm so grateful that I get to do this for a living, but it really is the only way that I'd be able to focus on this full time. So it's, uh, it's come full circle in a in a really beautiful way that I get to do what it is that I feel like I'm meant to be doing. Right. I mean, so your first book was called Genius. Was it Genius Life? Genius Foods. Genius Foods. First book. Gen what was the second one? Genius, the Genius Life. Genius Life. Okay, right. I got them confused. Yeah. And then now this one, Genius. The whole brand is basically, what's next? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I am really interested in... I mean, I guess, you know, I could potentially do like a fitness book. That's something that I'm that I'm super interested in just personally. It's, I've, it's always been that would be sort of a homecoming for me because personally, I've always been interested in that. Um, like what I, would it be like genius fitness? Something like that. I don't I haven't <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead. Honestly, writing a book is very emotionally. It, it's a oh. draining experience. I'm finishing know? mine this week. I, mine is due to the, my publisher this week, too. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's also not a healthy endeavor in any sense. It's, it's a lot of time sitting in front of your computer screen or standing in front of your computer screen, but a lot of sedentary um, behavior, lots of, you know, I mean, for me, I take my writing really seriously. So, I mean, there, there are days where I could be working on the same paragraph, trying to finesse it and perfect it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you're a writer. So like this, like for people who maybe didn't know, don't know you or didn't hear the first podcast, right? Because yeah. it's been like a hundred podcasts since then. Why don't you kind of give your story? Because I know your story and, you know, a lot of people do, but you're a journalist, but explain, you, you kind of did with your mom and then kind of talk about what kind of like the evolution of why, why fitness, why kitchen? Just yeah. Al Gore. So, Al Gore. <laughs> yeah. So I started college. I'll try to make it as concise as I can, but basically I started college and I was really interested. I had been really interested in fitness and nutrition and I was on a pre-med track and I was destined, I thought, to go into medicine. But then Where'd you go to college, by the way? University of Miami. You did? In Florida, okay, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I love that school. Shout out to the Canes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and- but you're from New York, right? From New York City. Yeah, okay. Yeah, halfway through college, I realized that I had a revelation. I realized that I was creative, that I enjoyed storytelling, that I had a, an aesthetic sensibility, like a sen I was sensitive to um, aesthetic and uh, yeah, I became sort of, a f I, I was a film fanatic. I was really interested in music, obsessed with music my whole life. And so halfway through college, I realized, well, it was two things, it was that, and then it was also that my academic career that my grades were never that great. I would get A's in the classes that I was passionate about. So all my science classes, actually, I got A's in biology, chemistry. Um, but then I would get really bad grades in classes that were way easier than those science classes, just because my brain, my heart and soul and mind wasn't yeah. in it, you know? Like I remember I took an introductory to religion class, which was a class at, I mean, no 
uh, shade to anybody at UM who's in that major or anything like that. But it was kind of known to be a class E take easy A. The easy A, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Introduction to religion, right? Like, I mean, it's just like storytelling, essentially. And um, and I just I did really bad in it because I never showed up. I never studied for any of the tests. But the science classes, which is where my heart was, I did really well. But that sort of conundrum for me right. led to not the best GPA. And I just wasn't super focused at the at that time. I just really I was the revelation that I was creative meant a lot to me. And so I went in that direction and I ended up switching to a double major in film and psychology, which led to me creating a film as an undergrad that got me this job as soon as I graduated from college working for Al Gore. And so it landed me this amazing gig where I was like on TV in a hundred million homes in the U S I was a journalist in a t-shirt on TV talking about fairly heady concepts. Yeah. Um, and I had like free reign to bring into the fold and discuss things that I was passionate about. Um, to some degree, I would talk about health whenever I had the opportunity to music, whenever I was able to. Um, and so I did that for six years and I got to work with some of the best of the best in the field of journalism. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were my mentors at current gave a lot of the people who are now household names on networks like CNN and others, their first jobs. Really? Like who? Yeah. Well, the guy who hired me, his name was David Newman. Mm -hmm. He was the one who's known for discovering Anderson Cooper. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And Lisa Ling and... I love her. She's Soldat so O'Brien. Like many, many household names yeah. in the field of journalism. He was my mentor for six years. Shout out to David. That's amazing. David Newman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then how did that path become this path? Like where was the... Because when your mother got sick, is that when you kind of really deep dived into Alzheimer's and that... Yeah. So and not going that route of like being on C like why did you not do this that that route that he would be Well, helped? that's an that's an interesting question. I wasn't really interested in I wasn't interested in politics. I've never really been interested in politics. Right. I mean, it's okay. only it's it's kind of odd that over the past two years I've I've become somewhat interested. Politicized a little yeah, bit, yeah. Somewhat and I underscore somewhat, but um but yeah, it's not really something that I'm all that interested in. So, you know, I didn't want to do that and I wasn't interested in entertainment journalism. I was really interested mostly in uh, two things. I mean, my, over the course of my life, my brain is like, I'm interested in two things, health and music. And maybe like you can put film in there as well. You right, know? But those right, are my right. two big like nerd, like I'm a nerd for both of those two areas. And then, and so, and so that like left me with not many places to go after my experience at Current TV. How long were you there for? Like six years. Okay, six years, okay. Um, yeah, six years. And that's a long time, especially at being so young to be at the same place for so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was on a salary, but it was like not. Yeah, it was like not six figures. And I was doing it for six years. Yeah. Living in L.A. Um, and also working really hard, but not not social media had just sort of come about. Right. Like, I mean, Facebook was a thing and Twitter had launched in 2008. So I was still at current when Twitter was around. Mm, OK. And um, but we weren't like being, there weren't enough viewers. So right. I had this great job on paper and I had all this press and all these accolades, but I had like no money in the bank essentially right. because I was like working paycheck to paycheck for this job. And I wasn't famous enough to guarantee that I was going to have a place to land when this job ended. Exactly. So it was sort of like an existential crisis that I, that I had deferred post-college and yeah. I was now having it like just as this job was about to come to an end. Right. And then in tandem with that, in my personal life, my mom got sick and right. started to show the first symptoms of what would ultimately be diagnosed as a form of dementia. How old was she when she first got diagnosed? 
She was 58 when she began to show symptoms. And I believe it was also around that time when she was diagnosed with some kind of neurodegenerative condition. She was prescribed drugs for both Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, even though she didn't, her presentation of, of her symptoms didn't classically fit into either disease category. So she didn't have actually have Alzheimer's disease and she didn't have classical Parkinson's disease. It was years later that we found out it was a condition called Lewy body dementia, Mm -hmm. which is a a rare uh, form of dementia. It affects one in five cases. Um, One in five people with dementia have Lewy body. And it's actually um, what Robin Williams had prior to yeah, dying by suicide. So, wow. Yeah. So it was like, I mean, that was like the low point of my life that um, it's, it's amazing to me, like looking back that I like made it through to the other side and I credit, and we can talk about this later if you want, I credit self-care honestly for helping me get through it. The fact that I like during, during that period when I felt like my career was in the toilet and I had nowhere else to go and no career, no job prospects. And that the person who I loved most in my life was suddenly diagnosed with this incurable terminal condition. It was like, I mean, it was, it was the worst period of my life that I can remember that I'll probably ever have. And the fact that I still you know, made it to the gym four days a week during that period. That's what kept me afloat. Like my mental health, you know, it was, it was so valuable to me and eating healthy and doing all the things that I know to do. But it was at that point that I, that I became, you know, I had circled back cause I told you my, I was passionate. I had been passionate about fitness and nutrition as a high schooler and in college um, and privately post-college. But it was then that I really, became fixated on trying to understand what was going on with my mom, what could be done to help her and to see if there was anything. Well, because now I knew that I had a risk factor, Mm -hmm. right? And my mother, so. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, do we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're online courses or a physical product, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever or whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with their internet's best converting checkout. It's actually 36% better on average compared to any other leading commerce platform. And sell more with less efforts thanks to Shopify Magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hustle. That's all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash hustle now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash hustle. Have you guys tried Factor yet? Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Factor now offers loads of snack options too. 
and like breakfast and smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on my schedule. And when things get super hectic, Factor is flexible. Change your order up every week with plans from four to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So head to factormeals.com slash habits and hustle 50 and use code habits and hustle 50 to get 50% off. That's code habits and hustle 50 at factormeals.com slash habits and hustle 50 to get 50% off. Who else in your family had it before your mom? Did nobody. Any signs of anybody else with? Nobody, nobody. I mean, my mom's mom, there was this really tragic um, thing that that we had o- observed in my family. Honestly, when I think back, it's it's just so awful. It like, I can't even believe, like I can't, the fact that I'm not more traumatized by the experience is just a testament really to like how, resilient we can be really when we're pushed to the, when we're pushed to the edge. Um, we, my, my mom, my grandmother had, my, my maternal grandmother had been living in the house with my mom. And I think at that point I was even living in my mom's house because I had moved back from LA to live with my mom. I remember. What was going on. Yeah. Yeah. How and long were you back? How long did you move with your, move in with your mom? I was there for, uh, well, I was probably living with my mom for a year and then I moved in with my brother in the same building. And so I was, yeah, it was like four or five years that I was back in New yeah. York. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, New York was, there were some fun moments and I got a lot done work-wise, but um, it was not a good, I had sacrificed a lot to be there, to be with my mom. I remember that. Um, you're a good son though, my God. I mean, that's why I like you so much. Seriously, I'm endeared by you because you were such a, you're such a uh, devoted son. Like, it's amazing to me. It's, I mean, I don't know, Jewish family yeah, or something like that. But as a, me being a Jewish mother, seeing someone like you taking care of your mom like that and like doing everything you can to help her and be there for her, I think it's just, you you don't see it to that level, unfortunately, as much as you should. And you like, you yeah. you just, I, I think it blew me away. You, I remember when you were living here and you went back to be with your mom. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And it's not, it's certainly not a Jewish thing, but it's. um. No, but it's family is very family, important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super, super important. Um, and it was important for my mom. It was important for my dad. My mom and dad didn't have the best marriage, but they sa- they had sacrificed a lot for the sake of the family. And so I grew up in a, you know, in a very small family and we had really strong family, strong family bond, strong family values. But, you know, there was this, there was this period where my mom was starting to noticeably decline cognitively. And, sh- and in the house was her, living there was her mother who was in her 90s. And cognitively God. sharper than her daughter. So just picture that. You have a woman who's like, wow. who's who's declining. And her mother, who's obviously a way older woman, sharper than her daughter. It was like, it was really odd. It was surreal. It was, it was like the craziest thing that one could possibly imagine. So no, I mean, there was no dementia that I know of prior to my mother having experienced it. Did you, okay, so because you did all of this research, you were like, it was like, it was, you were on a mission to figure out ways that you can help your mother, maybe not cure her, but help her. Now, being honest with all the stuff that you've done, did anything that you've, any foods or anything you really noticed make any difference in terms of how the progression of it, did the doctor say the progression of it or, um, stifling it or anything at all? Or- I, you know, I think it's possible that it that it slowed it because my mom had suffered with it for, I don't know, it was like seven, eight years. 
um, which is sort of the higher end of the average life expectancy for somebody with, well, at least with Alzheimer's disease. So we don't necessarily know um, what, I I would assume that it's actually shorter for somebody diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, but the average life expectancy for somebody from the point of diagnosis with Alzheimer's disease is about seven years. So my mom lived for seven, eight years. And I think that she probably could have lived even longer than that. But she, I mean, this is just going back to the tragedy of my mom's life in um, Labor Day of 2018, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And that's actually what- Are you I know. serious? It's very, yeah, it's, it's horrible, it's horrible. And it was three months essentially from the point of diagnosis that she was, that she was gone. So that's what, that's what she died from. That's what she died from, yeah. Yeah, it's and so that experience really made me look at the world in a new way, in a different way. And because there was there was obviously something about her environment that was toxic. And there's there are aspects of of all of our environments that are toxic. Our bodies are in a constant state of stress as a result, whether it's the food environment, whether it's the light environment, whether it's the stress environment, you know, the emotional environment. The fact that so few of us take sleep seriously. Um, so there's, there, there are many, many factors. But but yeah, her health was was just really, really unfortunate. But I do think that by insisting that my mom minimize her consumption of ultra-processed foods, get rid of the, the grain and seed oils that we had grown up consuming and that my mom had consumed for decades, like the canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, margarines and, and the Margarine. Like. I remember that's what, yeah. that was a big one when we grew up too. Because yeah. everyone thought that was the healthy way to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also my, low fat was a big one. hundred yeah. percent. My mom was of a generation, they didn't have the internet and my mom was not tech savvy at all. So, I mean, even after the birth of the internet, she yeah. she wasn't on it. No, no I mean, my yeah. mom might neither. I, I think it's a generational thing It's though. a generational yeah. thing, yeah. So my mom never really had access to any kind of nutritional insight other than what was coming out through the mainstream media. And the dietary dogma for the prior four or five decades had been to avoid for to benefit your cardiovascular health, avoid fat, mm-hmm. specifically saturated fat, and avoid dietary cholesterol. And that's the dietary pattern that the God's honest truth that my mom adhered to for the entirety of her life. I never saw her eat eggs until you know, in her very final years, I got her to eat like a scramble every now and then, but, but for the majority of her life, no eggs, no, you know, no red meat ever. She was also an animal rights advocate. So whenever oh, she, she was, oh. yeah. So whenever she would eat animal protein, it would be just boneless, skinless chicken breast on a salad occasionally and like a piece of fish. That's it. But it was a very low fat diet, cholesterol free and saturated with these, with these grain and seed oils and margarines and stuff. Yeah. So, um, so I cleaned up her diet in the, in that sense. Um, without being too rigorous about it, I think this is a, a really important um, point. You know, I think like when we come back from the mountaintop, so to speak, with with the diet that that we want to adopt for ourselves, we want to evangelize that diet. We we're talking about that a little bit earlier. So it's sort of it inevitably, to some degree, is going to become part of your identity, mm-hmm. right? And so, at first, I was like trying to get rid of all of the indulgences that my mom had around the house. But at a certain point, you realize that people are going to live the way that they want to live and they should be able to live the way that they want to live. And that the last thing you want to do is compromise your relationship with the with the loved one and to make them feel any kind of shame or guilt about what it is that they're eating. So, so I tried right. to teach as gently as I could. And I, I made some improvements to my mom's diet. Got her to start eating more like 
wild salmon, um, things like that. I mentioned, I, I start, you know, started making her like once or twice a week, she'd have like an egg, egg or something, yeah. you know? Uh, and I got her exercising. So I, I got her to start That's working a big one, with a personal trainer. Yeah. And, um, and so she was exercising quite a bit, which we know is great for both, uh, Alzheimer's disease, any kind of dementia really, and also Parkinson's disease. And, you know, I think it, it, it kept her fairly stable for a good number of years, but I'll, I'll never know, obviously. Right. And it, and it didn't, it didn't save her ultimately, but, um, I want, yeah. I wonder what preventative Like you were saying even earlier, how, what saved you was like your self-care of your fitness and your nutrition, but you already made it a habit, right? So it was now so habitual for you to go to the gym. It would be weird that you, if you wouldn't go anymore. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and why that like just keyed into me because I am all about habits and rituals, obviously, and fitness to me is that too. I mean, it also teaches you discipline and goal setting and all these other things that are so fundamental in like overall life success, in my opinion, and mental health too. How do you like, I know you're not a fitness expert, obviously, but you know, People, you, well, why obviously? Well, talking? obviously because you're here talking about kit. Well, you are a model now. Excuse me. <laughs> your next, your fourth book not will be fit, until that fitness no, book I mean, comes I'm not, out. Look, I'm not sell to Stefano. Okay. <laughs> well, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. By the way, do you see those pictures of his abs that he's posting on? Like, oh, he's a beast. He's a beast. That guy. It's a on. Hi, Sal. We, we love like Sal. we love Sal. Um, mind pump. Beast. Shout out to all the mind pump. Yeah, guys. mind pump. Exactly. Um, but how? Like, how do you tell people? Like. It's so hard to like, to get, if in your mom, like to get people to start, that stop is always in the start, to get people motivated, I hate that word, to even start this on this path of like being healthier, like working out. What, and I'm sure people ask you all the time on Instagram, like what kind of advice or hack would you give people to start? Like how do they could start? Not just say start small, we all hear that. But yeah. what are some like easy things they can do? Well, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it on the head when you said you have to create healthy habits for yourself. You can't just, you know, that your first month in your first month eating healthy foods should not be about weight loss. Your first month in the gym shouldn't be about trying to build as much muscle as you can build. Those that first month should be about creating habits for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because that, I think, is the most important thing. And I think when it comes to creating habits, I like this idea, and I'm certainly not the first to talk about it, but habit stacking, I think it's called. Habit stacking, Habit yeah. stacking, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll just give you like an example just from my from my own life. It has nothing to do with nutrition, but I um, I started, uh, I had been, I'd been trained to meditate like years ago, but it just, I never did it. What and type do you do? It's you like Vedic, like TM, TM style, okay. style meditation. And I'm still, I'm not an every, everyday meditator. I try my best to, to, to do it every day. It's something that my therapist says I, I could really benefit from. So, <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, a whole other conversation. <laughs> so I'm trying to meditate more, but I realized, and this is the, I've been meditating the most I've ever meditated over the past two months. And I'll tell you how I did it when I, when I first started. Okay. So first of all, I, my bedroom is on the top floor of my, like, townhouse. So it's on the top floor, kitchens on the, on the, on the bottom floor. Before I do anything in the morning, I get out of bed, I go pee and then I meditate and to meditate. I, so that's like already my routine, my routine right. already in the morning, get out of bed, go pee. I sit on a yoga mat, but rather than like unroll my yoga mat every morning and then roll it back up, I leave that thing laid out in front of my bed. So I'm reducing the friction. So I don't have to think about unrolling exactly. my yoga mat. It's not an excuse for me. Oh, I don't feel like I'm rolling my yoga mat. It's there. It's like already there beckoning me. It's like a reminder. <laughs> exactly. You know, so my yoga mat's already out there. I don't move it. 
Um, I mean, luckily I live like by myself. I was your girlfriend. house must look beautiful all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's things. <laughs> Super yeah. aesthetically pleasing, I'm sure. No, it's, uh, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. I've gotten a lot better over time, but I don't have a girlfriend or anything like that. I've got no one to please. Which is so. a whole other story, which yeah. we have to get into. He's like yeah. literally the most eligible bachelor. For those of you who don't know, go look know. at him. Um, that. That's why he has the coffee table with pictures of him. Like the, 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 ki- the, the recipe book is literally filled with Max pictures. Oh God. It's hilarious you said it not me i did and um, i'll say it again and again for anybody who wants to hear it <laughs> um so okay uh back on track so but i will say i want to say one more thing so i would people would always laugh at me even to this day because my house is like a gym or like it looks like i look like a frat boy because i have like those things around my house with those pull up those pull up um you know you put them on the at the door on the door hinges and yeah, you pull yeah. up so i put them around my house so when i walk by it's well I, it's right there i might as well just do one or two to get just stronger yeah right and like does it look that nice no but like and do i have a bunch of like yoga mats around my house because if i have a few minutes why not just do a few like planks or whatever like so i create situations environmentally where you know my house looks like literally like equinox or worse it's it's absolutely crucial i learned to play guitar by doing that i I made sure that my guitar was always out always yes you see it right it's visible yeah it's always out it's in the middle of my living room so whenever i see it i'm like oh maybe i should pick it up if it's out of sight it's out of mind a hundred percent hundred percent so Started meditating and How long? Long, long story short, well, I started, I was like, this, in TM, you're supposed to do it for 20 minutes. And at first I was God. like, that's so freaking long. I'm not gonna be able to do it. Actually, yeah. you're supposed to do it for 20 minutes twice, twice a day. Twice, I know. Yeah. So I don't do it twice a day. But, um, but that's, there's like this perfectionist thing where it's like, you know, you might be inclined to think if you read anything or you watch YouTube videos on, on transcendental meditation, that if you don't do it for 20 minutes twice a day, you might as well not do it. But that's not true. It's like, it's, not true it's at like all. even a shitty workout is a is a is better than no workout exactly right exactly you know have you had that woman on your podcast she just wrote peak Mo- the peak mind or yes uh she's all about mindfulness she wrote, amishi ja yeah, yeah yeah and i thought of it because she also was she's a, a um professor a um prof- that's why yeah. i thought of it because you said you went to um and she even said like even doing like no it's not like you don't have to do tm or this just sit there and like concentrate and think for a minute or two is better than doing zero. Yeah, absolutely. So TM, I mean, shame on you, TM, because (laughs) who can do 40? 40 minutes is a long time for people. It's a lot. It's a lot. You get, and you, you know, you've got to like lower, lower the bar, Mm -hmm. I think for most people. So I was like, so I was like, I'm going to lower the bar. I'm sure that 10 minutes is better than no minutes. So I'm going to start with 10 minutes. So I started doing 10 minutes and I did that three days in a row because it's so easy. And my yoga mat was already out. 10 minutes is a long time, actually, too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. You did 10 minutes. No problem. Well, I did 10 minutes because I I have a timer and I just did. Yeah, I was just I did. Well, did your maybe, mind wander? Maybe I did. Well, your mind's supposed to wander. That's the thing about meditation, which is a whole other topic. And I'm not a meditation expert, but I've I've taken like hours and hours TV. of classes. <laughs> I play one on TV. But um, but I do think that I understand like how to meditate. And the, the whole point is that your mind is going to wander the same way that you can't stop your heart from beating. Like your mind, that's what your mind yeah. does. The whole point of meditation is to be able to gently just take your mind without judgment off of those thoughts and bring it back to the present moment, bring it back to the mantra. That's what it's all about. That's, that's, the, whole, that's about. the whole freaking thing. It's like people love to overcomplicate it. And yeah, you can spend yes. thousands of dollars on courses, but I'll tell you right now to meditate Vedic style, all you got to do is is find a mantra, a word that has no meaning or a syllable or whatever. It doesn't have to make any sense. Just a, uh, it could be like blah, but blah kind of has a connotation. Which your word? 
it's a uh, well you're you're not supposed to share it oh you're not which is like a superstition okay. but also it's just a syllable that doesn't mean anything it's okay. just a sanskrit sounding syllable that doesn't mean okay. anything okay one syllable and you just sit there meditate like with your eyes closed and your mind is going to freaking go wherever it does that's there you're not you shouldn't expect it to not yeah because that's what the mind does so you're going to think about the emails you're going to think about how much you want that coffee like your morning coffee right. you're going to think about how much you want to cuddle your cat who's playing in front of you or, you know, all these different things. Right. Like your mind is going to go. You just gently volley back to to Present. center to the to the mantra. That's it. You just repeat the mantra in your head. It's like you just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Does it help you? Has it helped you, I should say? I'll ask your therapist. Yeah, but. I think it's I think it's helped. Really? So, yeah. So, yeah, the first the first couple of days I was doing like maybe I even started with five minutes. I don't remember, but I know that I started very, with like just a short amount of time. And then it was like 10 minutes and I did 10 minutes, three or four days in a row. And then I was like, you know, if I could do 10 minutes, I could do 12 minutes. So I did 12 minutes right. for a few days. And then I was like, you know, that went by pretty fast this time. I'm going to see if I can do 15 minutes the next day. I did 15 minutes and then I got up to 20 minutes and I've done 20 minutes. And I, there was amazing. a period I did it every single day for a week and then I traveled and then I fell off and then, but I never took the yoga mat up. And so the yoga mat's still there. And so now like I wake up and I'll, I'll go back it. and I'll do it. And you don't have to be perfect. Perfect. If I skip a day, I'm not hard on myself. I'm like, no big deal. But it definitely, it's it's that's how you create habits. You lower the bar for yourself. Totally true. I could not agree with you more. So then you would say to me, honestly, that since you've been doing it for two months, very regularly, you've seen a difference in your stress level and what in your yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah, uh, I've seen a difference in my anxiety. I've seen a difference. Here's one of the major um, benefits of meditation is that we all experience thoughts over the course of the day mm -hmm. that we'd rather not have. Right. True. I maybe I read something that somebody tweeted about me or somebody on YouTube, you know, you get millions of comments on YouTube. Not all of them are going to be nice. Right. So maybe. And I, and I, have the unfortunate habit Do you of, read them? of reading my comments. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'll go and read it and, and I'll read something that like triggers me, you know, or I'll think about like an ex-girlfriend and I don't want to be thinking about her, you know, or something like that. Yeah. We all have thoughts that we, we would rather not have over the course of the day. That's exactly what meditation helps with is it helps you volley because when you're having those thoughts, you're not in the, in the present moment. You're going back to the past right. or you're thinking about the future. You're just, whatever the case may be, you're not in the present. Meditation helps you volley gently without judgment off of those thoughts and put the focus back on the present moment. That's it. So it has helped you. It ha I think it's helped. Yeah. And I'm not a woo guy. You won't find crystals in my house. You, you know, I'm very much like about the science and whatever. I'm a skeptic. Like it took me a while to get this meditation thing, but it's not, it has nothing to do with spirituality. It's just literally like you're training your mind. Yeah. You're training your mind. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So what are some of the other habits that you, you stack? So you do that, you wake up, you do that 10 minute or 12 yeah, minute. To, yeah. Yeah. Meditation. Um, I mean, I'm obsessed with fitness. So every, for the most mornings I'll go to the gym around 10 30 in the morning. Even now with the whole pandemic and mask, you to wear the mask in there. I, do you I go hate, to Equinox? I go to Equinox. Yeah. Of course you do. I'd, let me guess. You go to the Santa Monica location or no, West Hollywood West location. Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I Should I have just revealed that on, yeah. on your huge podcast? Well, I, I, don't know. I think, I think you're going to be just fine. You think? I think um, there are other people who go to West Hollywood who are maybe a little more famous than you. I think you. you're probably right. I think you're probably right. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's not okay. anymore. I do get people. People recognize me in that gym. Right listen, yeah, people recognize you. I'm sure all the time. You got that messy 
bat, you know, the boy band looking hair, there you go. You got your cute smile. <laughs> you got your, you know, you got your coffee book table pictures mm-hmm. of you. I mean, listen, you're like, especially in the Jewish community, you must be like catnip over there. Oh my God. I'm not really in the Jewish community. I know, but you're still Jewish. Yeah. So course. you're yeah. still a, a Jewish person. I am. Yeah. Who's kind of like spread their wings a little bit, but little still, bit. you know, you are like a heartthrob. I always tease Max because he is, you're like a teenage heartthrob. You still look like you're like 21, by the way. I've never, da- I don't think I've ever dated a Jewish girl. I don't know if I should admit that. I always date chickses. Uh, you do. That's what, I, that's I what my mom, to- yeah, yes, your mother, I'm sure. Would, would say, my mom would, yeah. But I, look, no judgment. I don't, I re- I'm not religious, so I don't care. I'm just saying all this, everything that I've just said was in jest. I'm not, uh, Wait, but, don't, no one's judging you here. It's yeah. okay. It's all good. But I know I love the, I love the tradition and the culture and, um, yeah, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm Jewish, but, um, but I'm not a religious. Were you always kind of like the cute guy though, that everyone, like, did you always have a girlfriend and when you were younger in school, did all the girls like you? Uh, yes. N- don't lie. Not, I mean, I went, I was. Did you go to Jewish school? No. I mean, I went to, I, I did go to Hebrew school for a little bit, but okay. it was like, no, it wasn't a Jewish, it wasn't like my, my main school was a public school in New York City. Okay. And, oh, um, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I had a lot of female friends, but I wasn't like the heartthrob or anything like that. It was, I went to a very small school. So when did you become kind of like heartthrobby? Jesus. Like wear your hair all like messy and like kind of like styled, but oh, pretending it, you just woke up kind of thing. God, I would say uh, it all began my senior year of high school. Senior year of high school. Like why? Did you did you grow a lot? Like did you grow a foot? Or? Um, I was. Uh, I started no. Well, I did grow a little bit, but I started high school with braces and a bad hairstyle, and then I ended high school with a cool hairstyle and no braces. And I started. I had started working out. I oh. became interested in fitness. So, um, you kind of revamped yourself a little bit, yeah. And you haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. So no. what, what is your fitness thing? So you go to the gym. So even were you going the whole, like besides when it was closed, but you went right back when you just wore the mask when you had to or. Um, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You have to wear a mask and it's, it's horrible. Hard. It's, it's a, brutal. it's an LA thing. You know, I've spent a lot of time recently in Texas and in Florida. You don't yeah. have to wear masks. No, I know both play. How, are you there on work related stuff or are you just. Uh, work and fun. Like my family, we, we like Florida. My dad lives in Florida. Florida. And, where in um, Florida. He lives in North Miami Beach. Okay. Yeah. You have to, it's like, yeah. it's like freedom over there. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, you know, look, I, I think that the, the whole like m- m- wearing a mask while in a gym thing is brutal. Brutal. Yeah. And I don't know how much it's helping, but helping is it's hindering. First of all, you don't date like that. You're like the journalist, health journalist. Can you talk like, how is that a good thing? Cause you're breathing in like bad air, like you're, you're, isn't it carbon dioxide? You're breathing, what is it that you're breathing back into your system? How well, is it healthy? Well, no, carbon dioxide, you know, I've worn a pulse oximeter while wearing a mask just to test it out to yeah. see if wearing a mask had any impact on my blood oxygen saturation and it didn't. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it, it really is going to affect your oxygen saturation, but it's just, it's very uncomfortable and it makes me less, it makes me work out less hard. You know, I'm less inclined to want to do cardio if I have to have a freaking mask over my mouth and nose. I know. Um, That's why, why, why don't you just not go to the gym for cardio and just do it outside or your house or. Yeah. I mean, we should have done the treadmill today. I know. We should have. I know. I, I, it's okay. I, you know, I hike, like you don't have to wear a mask outdoors, obviously. So obviously. Um, so what is your routine though? What do you do? Like what, when you go to the gym or work out, like what are your, what are your, 
What's your fitness of choice? Well, modalities there are choice? two things that I really enjoy. One is I love lifting weights. I've always loved like just, just lifting weights. Because you're a guy. I think that may be it, but yeah. I just... But I like it too, so maybe I'm a guy. I don't know. No, I think <laughs> it's great when women lift weights. It's it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's also the way, like, that's how you really build lean muscle mass. I mean, that's really the yeah. only way. I mean, you can do all these other things, but at the end of the day, that is the the most efficient way to do it. Building muscle is crucial. It's crucial. Um, so I do that, and then I've started over the past two years boxing. So taking like... I love that. Where do you go for that? I have a boxing trainer and I just do it like in the park in West Hollywood. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's I love fun. that. So fun. It's good. I feel like I can kick somebody's ass now, kick somebody's ass, which I've never been able to, I would never say that I'd be able to do like previously because I'm not a fighter, but. Um, You're a lover, not a fighter, Max. There you go. No, I just, um, it's a wonderful, it's great for the brain also, provided you're not getting hit in the head, but the coordination aspect yep. of things. Um, it's, uh, it's really powerful in the cardiovascular workout. But because my trainer is like one-on-one and he's a professional boxer. Who um, is it? I would, his, his, name is, his name no. is Minju. Oh, Find yeah. him on Instagram, Minju's Fight Club. He's really, really great, talented. If you live in LA, you need a boxing trainer. Minju's Fight Club, he's awesome. Yeah, I might um, get that information from you. Yeah. Seriously, because no. I am looking for a new person. We spar. I mean, we will, he'll like, you know, I mean, defense is a big thing, like, so it's not uh, it's not like I'm like going to rumble or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You're like you're like doing that. legit like, actually, boxing. Yeah, yeah. I go yeah. to a boxing gym sometimes to train with him. Like, like a real boxing gym. Yeah, like a real boxing gym. I love so that. So it's yeah, it's legit. I love it, and I love and I love just like weight training and like you know that's sort of what I do. Cardio, I'm not. I, like, I prefer to do cardio. Um, I actually don't love doing cardio. I like to like walk. I love like any opportunity to walk. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, there's, I don't get enough opportunity in, in LA. I feel like to just walk. Isn't that so ironic? You yeah. live like in a very health oriented, nice weather place and like no one walks here. Walking from a health standpoint is so underappreciated oh. and it's probably the best thing. Cause you know, you don't have to totally. go to a gym to be in your best health. Like you don't have to build big muscles, although it definitely helps to be strong. Mm -hmm. um, but walking, I think, is like, bar none, like the best exercise. Do you know that my first book was called No Gym Required, right? I mean, oh, really? you probably oh, didn't know. And my whole company is called, was called No Gym Required. I love that. And it was all it's about true. simple, exact, simple ways people could be fit without going to the gym. And people think you have to go to the gym. Gym's nice. But walking is number one, the most, not that's underrated, but it's just not glamorous, right? So people are trying to find these other modalities to work out that are not walking, but walking is a great way to, for bone density even. Bone it's density, yeah, non-exercise physical activity. Um, it, low it, impact. Yeah, okay. low impact. It, it, it provides a huge uh, opportunity for calorie expenditure, just walking. Um, it's God, great we for should have done the treadmill. I'm, now I'm, I'm upset and annoyed that I were not on those treadmills again. It's okay. I was on a, I did a little bit of like elliptical earlier. So okay. I'm well, good. that's yeah. what you couldn't, you can't double up. You can double up on the meditation, I but guess not I could. on the fitness. No, I guess I could. I guess I could have. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, but we already time. did that. Been there, done that. You're right. We yeah. got to like move on, like yeah, kind of evolve yeah. our, our relationship. I like this. this is a more sit down and style interview. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's I'm true, good. I guess. It's like, yeah, we can keep, keep the variety. All right. I like that. All right. So you do that. And then what else do you do for your habit stacking? Um, well, the other thing, so I mean, I, I exercise pretty regularly. The other thing that I Every do- Every day? 
I try to do something every day, okay. even though, you know, I'm, I'm always conscious of like overtraining. I could, I could drive myself to overtraining because I love going to the gym that yeah. much, but, um, but no, I try to like alternate it and, you know, maybe on like one day I'll take a, I'll go on a hike or something like that. Um, are you a yoga person? I used to be, I'm not so much anymore, but, um, okay. but I do, I do love yoga. I just haven't gone to a class in like forever. Um, I do spend a lot of time doing like contrast hydrotherapy. So saunas mm -hmm. and cold water immersion. I saw you have a sauna. I do. It's amazing. I yeah. love that thing. The infrared sauna. That's like the best thing in the world. The best thing I've ever gotten it's was that great. thing. Yeah. Do you do it every day? I do it um, like five days a week. That's almost every day. Yeah, almost how, every day. How long do you go? I don't I don't have a sauna. I used to have a sauna in my house. I don't anymore. Now I go to a place that's open five days a week. And I do like hot Russian. It's like called Banya. Yeah. Which is a sauna that's like just really hot. How and, hot does that one get? Oh, my God. It gets it's insane. It becomes it gets up to like 250 no. degrees. No. Yeah. It's. Are it's, you able to sit in that? It's ridiculous. Like you literally feel like you're dying after 15, 20 minutes in the sauna. Can and you, you do and that you, for that And you long? literally are probably dying unless you get out. Yeah, I do it for 15, 15, 20 minutes. It's hot. It's hard. It's difficult. At that temperature? Yeah. I mean, sometimes less than 15 minutes. Sometimes like 10 minutes. It's really hot. It's really hot. That's how the Russians do it. Oh, and so, sometimes they make it even hotter. They'll throw like beer onto the hot stones and then they, they wave a towel around and the whole room just, it heats up. It's nuts. It's crazy. Does it? Okay. So, what is the difference? Is there a at that point? Is that even a health benefit? Isn't that too hot for your body to even take? No, it's great. It's heat stress. Yeah. I mean, your body, you sweat. You're activating heat shock proteins. You're boosting nitric oxide all over your freaking body. Which better helps. than infrared? Is that one better than an infrared? Um, I don't know if we know whether or not it's better or worse, but I know that most of the research is on actual sauna because right. most of the research on sauna and the health benefits associated um, with it come from uh, Finland, which is where it's like the sauna capital of mm -hmm. the world. And so they don't use infrared sauna there. In fact, the International Sauna Association doesn't even actually consider infrared saunas to be saunas in the traditional sense of the, of really? the word. Yeah, they actually, they don't, they're, they're, they don't think that sauna, infrared saunas should be called saunas because a sauna is like a, it's a hot room, usually yeah. lit, usually warmed by stones. And, um, so where did it come from? How did it become like the, you know, biohackers well, cause dream. Because I, I think it works. It does raise core body temperature. And well, it, yeah. And it makes you sweat and it's inexpensive and it's practical, right? You can put it's one in your It's expensive. What do you mean inexpensive? These things are super expensive. They, I mean, they're not cheap, but they're not as expensive as it, as it would be to build like an actual sauna in your house. Oh, like they're you cheaper like than building like an actual sauna, I think. I don't, I don't know. So maybe, maybe not, actually. Maybe not. So does a right case, so the benefits of like an infrared sauna versus the kind that you do you don't know like okay this one does the, you're basically i had no idea i did hear once actually on uh on the andrew huberman's podcast huberman yeah. am i pronouncing his name right i think it's Huber huberman, huberman right yeah, yeah. It, he's also not a big fan of the infrareds he was saying that like th like to your point it's as long as you're in a sauna it doesn't have to be an infrared sauna or another look kind you of get sauna. a lot of the benefits from being in a sauna sitting in a hot tub so there's a lot of benefits that um, spill over from modality to modality because the core um, mechanism by which we get benefit from these different activities is heat, the application of heat on the body and the raising of core body temperature. So whatever it happened, whether it's uh, whether it's sitting in a hot bath, I mean, you could achieve many of the same benefits. You, you sweat when you're in, a, in hot water. You're boosting nitric oxide. You're inducing heat shock proteins. So... 
whatever you have access to, that's the thing to do. I mean, if you have an infrared sauna, then don't feel bad about not having a traditional finish sauna. If you don't have either and you just, you know, all you can do is take hot baths, then do that. It's fine. But the mo- but the majority of research on saunas comes from Finland. And what they use there is without, you know, almost without exception are uh, like stone or wood heated traditional saunas. But you're the one that you're going into is so, so hot. Is there a... Is there an extra an added benefit? Yeah, from being in that to get your body to that because no matter if I'm sitting yeah. in my sauna that goes let's say to one sixty or one seventy, right? It, it takes me a while to get super super sweaty in there. Is there a difference between that versus being ten minutes like a it's a kit training going into the two in the twenty two hundred and twenty yeah. sauna? No, it's a good question. It I mean I think that the benefits are probably similar. Um, Although more, yeah, I mean, that's a good analogy, like hit training, like more, you're getting the same benefits in a more compressed time frame. Yeah. Because it is a, it is a significant stress on the body. I mean, as I mentioned, you feel like you're dying in there and that, it's that stress, it's that hormetic effect that you want. That's really where the, where the money is. Yeah, I know. With all of these different modalities. So. And then you jump into the cold plunge. And then I jump into the cold plunge. Yeah. And you do that for what, three minutes? Yeah, two, three minutes. I put my whole body up to my head in there. I mean, I'll dunk my head too, but I, I go up to my um, chin generally because we accumulate brown fat, which is metabolically active fat tissue in our collarbone, among other places, our armpits and stuff. So I want, I want I'm trying to get a my collarbone. Collar. Yeah. So in our, in our, in this region, like the, really, uh, yeah, yeah. That's why, but it, can't you collect it anywhere else in the body? Like my butt? No, you don't, you don't get it. No, you don't get it everywhere. Brown fat is only found in a few places up and down your spine, in your armpits, around your collarbone. Um, I didn't know that. In your neck. Yeah. Probably to some degree around your vital organs, but it's not everywhere. Everywhere else you have white adipose tissue. So if you're, if you're covering that, you're going to say, what is, what's the benefit of doing that? So the benefit of cold water immersion, um, they're, they're over uh, your brown fat. Yeah. Well, well you know, well, over the, your neck that have, that would have you yeah. know, brown fat underneath, but yeah. Well, the idea is that when you lower your core body temperature, you're encouraging the proliferation of this type of fat that's brown because it has more mitochondria. It's metabolically active. It burns fat. It burns sugar. Um, it increases your overall calorie burn so it can boost your resting metabolic rate. Um, and we used to think that this wasn't able to be cultivated in adults. Brown Babies are born with brown fat. But unlike adults, babies don't have the ability to shiver. So what they have is they have brown fat, which is, again, it's thermo, it's metabolically active and it's thermogenic, meaning it creates yeah. heat. And so that's how babies stay warm when they're when they're cold. Babies can't shiver. Yeah. Dude, I always learn these like very like interesting little factoids from you. Even in your book, by the way, like about the potato who knew this is what this is what i like about you this is why these little things like give me more like that babies can shiver oh man i'm full brown, of um, brown fat around the collarbone yeah so okay. so babies are, are have a lot more brown fat than adults but adults you know because adults we can yeah. we have more agency right we can wear things babies don't they're pretty impotent right like right. in the world so if they're cold they they have this fat and that fat is there to protect them almost like an internal heating pad is essentially what it is. Wow. Um, adults, we have it, but it was thought for a while um, since the discovery of brown fat that we couldn't create more of it. That it was just sort of this vestigial as this vest vestigial quality um, of adults that we don't really have a use for it. But now we know that it helps for it helps with cold acclimation. 
Um, it gets active when mm -hmm. we're cold and we can increase the production of it by spending more time in cold environments. Did you know Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day? I didn't. And according to the EPA, indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And in some cases, even a hundred times more polluted. And the data shows that an air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally. Wow. So then what's the solution? I'm going to introduce you to an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets all over the world, like CNN, Money, ABC, and it's called Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold, and even bacteria and viruses, so your lungs don't have to. And Air Doctor purifiers also have a feature called WhisperJet that makes the fans 30% quieter than any other ordinary air purifier. And Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code HUSTLE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. And exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So lock this special offer in by going to AirDoctor, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code HUSTLE now. So, so how long have you been doing the, the cold and hot? And did you see a difference between how you, how you felt, any kind of health before you started doing that stuff versus doing it continu like continuously? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it continuously for, for some time. How long would you um, say? Well, when I was in New York, I had access to a cold plunge and a sauna too, which I was doing oh, you did? religiously. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I took a brief break. Um, last year, last year I lived, I spent a little more time on the West side and I didn't have access to one the way that I currently do. So yeah, but for, for quite a number of years at this point, I've had, I've had fairly regular access to hot saunas and cold plunges. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think the benefits are like the benefits that I've seen. Um, I've seen benefits to my skin. I've seen benefits to inflammation. Um, I have, uh, like, you know, chronic to some degree like low back issues that mm -hmm. have dramatically improved with this with the cold water immersion um, specifically i mean i i also know from a from a research standpoint that the hot therapy can boost bdnf in the brain can sort sort of potentiate um you know the the work that we do in the gym um so it can sort of facilitate that helps us excrete various environmental toxins in our sweat um you get it with one because like, I hate the cold. Yeah, that's my problem. But I love the sauna. But what can you get the same benefits? Or if you don't like the, I know the hot and cold is very, very. You don't have to do them back to and back. forth. I mean, or what can, if I just did the hot or something? Yeah, just did just the cold. Uh, they're they're all great. It's all great. Better like, than zero. Back yeah, it's to better. Than, was, well, yeah. They, and they have distinct benefits. So the hot is great. The cold is great. If you don't like being hot, just do cold. If you don't like being cold, just do hot. But they have different benefits. Different benefits, yeah. yeah. I think that the that one of the most profound benefits that I get from the cold is the mental benefit. It's yeah. like it's a state change for me. 
when I take a cold shower and look, even for me, like it's, it takes discipline, like getting into cold water. It's like, you just have to kind of psych yourself up and do it. Um, it's the psyching yourself. It's up never, so yeah, hard. it's, it's never easy, but I'm always grateful that I did it afterwards. It's, it's sort of like a workout. A workout. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's like you've, I've never once regretted getting into the cold water. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a big hurdle to get over a big sort of mental hurdle to get over when it comes to like actually getting in. But after I do it, I'm so grateful to myself that I like had the grit to be able to, right. to do it, you know, cause it, cause it is a state change. If I'm feeling fatigued, lethargic, depressed, anxious, whatever it, whatever it happens to be, it's like getting into that water is like, it cleans the slate. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like hitting control, alt, reset, right, right, or whatever, right. control, delete, delete. <laughs> I know you meant that. Yeah. On your, on your brain. Um, I, yeah. Or the computer. But then I haven't asked me, oh my God. Okay. But I'm just asking you, don't even ask what is on here. I wanted to ask you a bunch of questions about, don't know, we'll get to that in two seconds, but other habits that you do that have been really, uh, that you habit stack. Other habits. Let me think about that. Well, what, um, you want me to ask you other questions? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of like my, my sleep routine is pretty like robust at this point. Um, what are you doing? I just got this uh, mattress from eight sleep. Have you tried this thing? It's like body temperature. It, basically, you can change the temperature of the mattress. I have a the, like a competing product by uh, Chili Sleep. It's called the Older. Oh, I heard it's really good. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Although I hear Eight Sleep is good too. I, they're whatever. They're but they're. I'm sure they're both great. Well, how does yours work? Mine is a thing that goes over the mattress and it lets you set your mat your temperature. It's just a, a cooling or heating pad that goes over the mattress. Yeah, and you can set you can it. heat it too. But do you, you go? Can heat it. So do you go negative three to when you fall asleep or negative four, and then you when you're in RAM it goes to like no, mine is not. Oh. It's not that sophisticated. So I think that oh. that's where the eight sleep has the the leg up. But mine it's automatic. So every night at like eleven o'clock at night it goes on and it goes mm -hmm. to like whatever I think it's like set to sixty four degrees. Oh, it goes and in then, that way. Okay. So. Yeah, and then it stays that temperature up until like seven thirty in the morning, and then it shuts off. But you can set that. And it's like, again, mm -hmm. it does a really good job of like the habit stacking thing. It does it automatically. So I don't even have to think about it. I just. Is it necessary though? Like, I mean. One of those cooling pads? No, it's not necessary at all. But I'm a. Does it make you sleep better? Honestly. Um, I tend to be a hot sleeper. Like there yeah. are nights where I wake up like sweaty. And uh, this has fixed that problem for me. Really? And I say that full, you know, no financial affiliation. Right. You just like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fixed that problem for me. I was, I've, I've always been a good sleeper, but I did, I would often wake up like, you know, like damp. And like, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a comfortable, it's not a comfortable way damp. to wake up. You like know? that's such a crazy, that's one of those words I'm like, makes me laugh. Cause yeah. I'm looking and you're such a sleep guy and yet you're not wearing an aura ring. You're not wearing a whoop. You're not wearing. No, I'm not big on those like tracking devices. Although I'll use them occasionally for, for, for a time. Um, is I'm it because not, of the EMF it can give off? Or? No, it's not that. I just like, I want to spend less time on my devices anyway. Totally. I don't want to be like, That's why the I'm minute I wake up checking my phone to see how I slept. No, I want to be able to like exactly. check in with myself to see how I've slept. And I, I respect those devices. Look, I think there's utility for them. I do want right. to, you know, I think like as an experiment, like it's it's worthwhile to like audit your sleep. And there is, there is a little experiment that I do want to run with myself with an aura ring, like but it's not the kind of thing that I feel the need to wear all the time. Right. For example, um, I uh, 
I want to run this test. So one of the things that I do sometimes when I go to sleep, not every night, but a lot of nights I'll tape my mouth closed, Oh, which right. forces nose breathing. Um, I want to see if that has any, I want to see if nose breathing versus mouth breathing has any effect on overnight heart rate. My hypothesis is that, um, cause I, I've actually heard anecdotally, uh, from somebody else that when they tape their mouths, their overnight heart rate is much lower, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I want to see if that is in, in fact the case for me. Oh, so you haven't done it. I thought you said you, you have tried. No, I haven't. Oh. I haven't run that experiment on myself. I do want to try it though, but I do tape my mouth occasionally. Um, and, uh, and I do find that I sleep much deeper, um, really with it. And I, and I wake up feeling great and yeah. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I've yeah, I feel like I've been hearing more and more about that recently. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like nose breathing is super important. Um, whether or not you need to every night, you know, I don't know. I think it's good to at least give it a shot. Sometimes I get like congested at night. And so that makes the nose taping, the mouth taping, not, oh, not God, the most yeah. comfortable, but most nights I think I can do it and I do do it and it's great. It's like, I'm, I'm really into it. I also, sometimes I'll pair the mouth tape with a, a, a nose strip. <laughs> no wonder you don't have a girlfriend. I'm <laughs> no, my sleep routine is pretty insane. So um, what do you, hold, let me get this straight. Okay. So you have the mattress, we got that. Then you tape your mouth and you put like one of those things on your nose. Like yeah, to yeah. It's not a, it's like, like a breathe right strip. Although I don't like breathe right strips cause it leaves a residue. So I use like the, just the generic CVS strips. Do you wear like Invisalign or like, no. uh, what do you call those? Not, what do you call those things in your mouth? Um, like a bite guard? Yeah. <laughs> no, guard no, 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 no. I don't wear a bite guard. I don't wear a bite guard, but I, I use the, the nasal strip sometimes, mouth tape. I also, um, I've got my Uller running. My red, my room has a red light bulb in the lamp by the bed, which makes my room look like a strip club. Like a have, red light? Yeah, yeah. I don't have any like overhead lights in my room. You don't? So the red light. <laughs> yeah. God. My room, my room, I basically keep dark. Like I keep, like when I'm in my room getting ready for bed, even in, in my bathroom, which is like connected to my bedroom, I don't put the lights on. So I'm like doing everything in the dark. Really? Like, like a hunter gatherer. Yeah, yeah. I have like a little red nightlight. Like it's a very low. Is a red light, by the way, like a red light for like red light therapy? Is it just? No, no, no. It's oh, just, just like, like a, a. Yeah, it's just like a like red. Like a stripper light just for fun? <laughs> just as, yeah, yeah. I went to. Just for your guests who come over? Or? I literally, there's nothing special about it. I just went to a, a light bulb store and I bought a red light bulb and I have a lamp by my bed, but the red light bulb in the lamp. So I put that on. But what's the purpose of having the red light versus like uh, just like a, a light that you would just turn on super low? Or? Super low. Um, well, A, I don't want it to be overhead. B, red is the opposite end of the the visible light spectrum from, it's like opposite blue. Mm -hmm. And you don't want blue light right. before bed because it signals to your brain. Um, You're that awake. It's, that it's like yeah. daytime. Um and, and it's also just very soothing. You know, it's like when you put your phone on night mode, mm -hmm. it becomes really orange. Red is like the more extreme version of that. And so it's just like really soothing from a, it doesn't perturb your melatonin production in your brain. It, it, it really has been like a game changer for me, actually. Because I used to have, I used to have a low, like what you're talking about, yeah. like a low light bulb instead right. of the red light bulb in my lamp. But um, even that was not, it's still too bright. It's still too bright. It's got all the different like wavelengths right. in it. Um, it's just not, not as soothing. I mean, you'll notice like if you, if you go out and try getting like a light, they're like five bucks. A red light. Yeah. Red light bulb, just plug it in there. And, um, and you'll see, it's like really soothing at night. And, uh, I'm going to try that. Yeah, it's great. And I use, like, I've got like a red little nightlight in my bathroom, but, but I'm not putting on the light switches like on the wall, like 
I'm doing everything mostly in the dark. In the dark. Yeah. Are you? How about in terms of eating? Then you're not eating before. Are, are you like? I would imagine just you're like probably you're probably intermittent fast or yeah to some degree. Right. I mean, I try. Yeah, I don't. I generally won't eat until like eleven or twelve every day, um, and I try to stop eating three hours before bed. I'm not perfect though. I'd like you know, sometimes if I'm hanging out late with friends or whatever, I'll be snacking. Right. But you're not like, basically you're not like diligent about it, but you're. Yeah, I try to. I mean, I, you know, the, the research is, is I think pretty compelling that even, even, um, like if you're controlling your calories, there still seems to be a cardiometabolic health benefit to not eating too late at night. Mm -hmm. Um, an improvement in glucose, uh, homeostasis, so like your body's ability to manage blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be an improvement in blood pressure. Some people will argue that it's just a means of controlling your calorie intake. Right. That's but, what I was going to argue. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think there's that, but I think that there's also this, this interesting signal. A lot of the research is being done by Sachin Panda at Salk University. Mm-hmm. He's like the, the, I don't know, the circadian guy. And, um, and what they're showing is that even when you control for calories, there seem to be other benefits. Whether or not those benefits are clinically meaningful over the long haul, who knows? But I, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that um, that intermittent or time restricted feeding is useful, especially for people who don't have the option to improve their food quality. Right? For people that live in like food deserts, I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting um, and compelling that like they might actually be able to just compress their feeding window and see right. health benefits. If they don't have access to like a Whole Foods or an Erewhon or what have you, you love that Erewhon. Yeah, it always comes little, up in every conversation I have with you. I spend a little too much money there. You spend? I mean, that place is so ridiculous. I don't expensive. shop there though. I shop at like, I mean, I shop. Uh, at, you do. I shop at Whole Foods, which is still expensive, <laughs> but Erewhon makes Whole Foods look like Trader Joe's. No, it makes it look like Vons. I'm yeah. telling you, that place is like insanely expensive. So I have a bunch of these questions that I wanted to ask that I saw in your new book that. Um, what I found was interesting. Okay, first of all, these are not necessarily, but you said something that I wanted to kind of just go on the calories. Calorie, you don't think that a calorie is just a calorie, right? That's not your like. There are people who are like calories in versus calories out. That's not what you think. Uh, no. Do you think that? I, I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just asking. Yeah, no, I do think calories matter. I do think they they the, they the definitely matter. The source that it comes yeah, from. Yeah, ener- energy balance balance matters, but so does the source of the calories. A calorie is just a unit of measurement. Mm-hmm. So a calorie is a calorie. It's like saying a mile is not a mile. But the problem is, a mile walking uphill is a lot different than a mile walking downhill. A hundred percent. So if I had a Mars bar, for example, which is 180 calories, yeah. versus having you know, piece of salmon that's four ounces, five ounces. There's a difference in how your body metabolizes it, or you tell me your. There is a difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a uh, hundred calories of protein, you're is only going to yield um, about seventy calories, right? Because protein is a much higher thermic effect than fat or carbohydrates, for example. Calories. I like what you just said, though. That's so true. A mile up versus a mile down, very different. How very, you, very different, yeah. right? 100 calories from broccoli is going to be a lot different than 100 calories from Oreo cookies. So the where the calories come from absolutely matters. And that's not something that uh, I feel like is being is discussed enough amongst fitness circles. Well, that's well, that's why I wanted to bring. I think there's a lot of people, there's 50% of the people who think, you know, your body, I, th- I think it does affect your body composition. That's my take on it. But there are people, that doesn't matter if you have, if your diet's 800 calories, it doesn't matter where you're getting those calories from. I do think it matters. I think for your, uh, how you're going to optimize your brain, your overall energy, it makes a big difference. My, yeah. That's my opinion. Well, I think everybody would agree at this point that, um, I mean, the thing is, you know, sometimes you'll see headlines like 
nutrition professor prove that you can lose weight by eating only Twinkies, right? Right. Or like the, the subway dude that the lost subway all. dude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you control for protein, it really doesn't matter from a weight loss standpoint what the other uh, where the other macronutrients come from, carbs and fat. Right. Um, from f purely the standpoint of uh, near term, like weight loss and body composition. Right. As, as long as we're mm -hmm. controlling for protein, because protein is what what helps us maintain our lean mass. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about just losing weight from your body, which shouldn't be anybody's goal, right? Uh, yep. Then it really is all about calories. But if we're talking about losing fat, then we want to control for protein mm -hmm. so that we maintain our lean mass and then you can and then dial down the fat and carbohydrate intake. But does that mean that you can fill out the fat and carbs with like the if it fits your macros model of just like whatever else right, crap you right, want right, to right. eat? No, because your body still needs micronutrients that help keep you young. And that's going to reflect in your skin. It's going to reflect in your metabolic health. It's going to reflect in so many aspects of your existence. Yeah. That um, I'm I'm absolutely 100% a, a, an advocate of being mindful where your calories come from. I, you know, we were saying this earlier, but like vegan for a vegan diet, right, or a vegetarian diet, I still, no matter how many people come on this podcast or I've speak to like in my regular life, I don't know where they're getting enough protein. I don't under well, broccoli has protein. Broccoli does not have enough protein to build lean muscle mass. Absolutely not. Like, I, but I don't I don't understand by how this is not more common knowledge yeah it's it's just like yeah i mean i don't know who's out there saying I mean, certain, certainly people are saying that broccoli has enough protein well, all vegans and people <clears throat> who don't eat meat they're like very low very low quality protein not you know appropriate a lentil though like of, lentils have protein yeah, yeah but you're not if Let i if i want to build muscle Per, is it more, maybe it's all more of a, you're the journalist, maybe you've done way more research, but I'm talking from experience. And oh yeah, I live and I've breathe done, this stuff, yeah. Right? Like, I think if I need to like lean out and like build muscle, I need to eat salmon, chicken, meat, like yeah. like animal protein, fish. I, I don't know where you're going to get your protein from if you're a vegan. Yeah. I mean, soy is fairly high quality, actually, if you can believe it. Um, and so there's nothing wrong with that. Also, legumes are, legumes have... Protein. Also lots of carbs in there. But also lots of other non-protein calories. Right. So if you're trying to lose weight, that's where that becomes relevant, right? Um, yeah. And not, granted, not everybody's trying to lose weight. Um, but people want to be more muscular, yeah. have more lean muscle. As you get older, who doesn't want to have more lean muscle mass? There you go. The highest quality protein is bar none um, animal protein. It's like the protein, the, the protein scoring method that um, is currently in use to determine protein quality has shown us that like whether it's chicken, beef, fish, eggs, dairy, the best, the best of the best, really. And soy is up there. It's not quite as high as as animal protein, but soy is decent quality uh, from a digestibility standpoint. Um, it's not something that I would, you know, eat regularly, but um, but no, animal protein is is definitely the way to go. Right. You're also a big fan of whey protein. In your book, you talk about it. Yeah, I'm a fan of whey protein. I take it. Um, I use whey protein isolate. It's got a great amino acid profile. It's very easy to hit the leucine threshold of 2.5 mm -hmm. grams of leucine, which we need for muscle protein synthesis. Um, which brand do you like? And then the other thing, well, first tell me what brand do you like? I'm curious to find a good one. I currently use, um, there are two brands that I that I go back and forth with and I have no financial affiliation with either. One is a brand called Muscle Feast, which is a funny name. Oh, I never heard of those yeah, ones, yeah. that guy or that. Muscle Feast. It's on... Um, 
Amazon and okay. I get the whey protein isolate. Like the vanilla, I think is pretty good. The, the problem that I have with a lot of these protein powders is that they're too they're too sweet. Yeah. So sometimes sweet. I just buy the unflavored versions. Really? Yeah. I saw what you said in your book. This is what I was going to say in your book that I also learned about chocolate protein, uh, chocolate flavor versus vanilla. That chocolate is more. Uh, what was it like? It was. More arsenogen, no, more lead. More lead. Yeah. In the chocolate, in chocolate uh, protein yeah. versus in any brand. Well, it varies brand to brand. Um, but why would chocolate have more lead or there was something else in it too? Cadmium. Yeah. Yeah, lead because chocolate can be a, a source of lead and cadmium for people. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, these are very small amounts. Right. These are. Lead and cadmium are neurotoxins, so mm. they're heavy metals that you really shouldn't be ingesting. Um, but so uh, people should have the vanilla protein. Yeah, vanilla. Or plain. Vanilla, vanilla. You're safe. You just don't know where they're getting the, their cacao from in these in these protein brands. They're not like chocolatiers, right? So they're probably just getting like the cheap <laughs> cheapest of the cheap cacao right. flavoring or whatever. And so there was a, I believe the study was done by Consumer Reports that found that. Um, on average, the chocolate flavored versions of these protein powders had higher levels of lead and cadmium. Now, are they levels that are really worth that, that are worth worrying about? Probably not. But if you're if you're consuming this like every single day, then maybe you do want to be right. concerned. You know. The other thing, I, okay. So let's talk about this other thing. I I was like, wow, this potato thing. The having a cold potato versus a hot potato. Yeah. And well. I didn't know that either. Talk about the potato. Like, can we go over like a, like a give me a few of these like food hacks. Yeah. So much. I love that stuff. Absolutely. So Genius Kitchen is full of, of this stuff, but. And um, the olive oil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, potatoes are, when we cook them, we create uh, a, a highly dig digestible form of starch, right? Mm -hmm. um, a raw potato is rich in resistant starch. It's resistant to digestion and we have to cook it to break that starch down. Um, so that it becomes available to us right. as, a, as a calorie source. Well, you can actually retrograde the starch in a cooked potato and turn it into what's called retrograde resistant starch by just cooling it off. Allowing it to return to room temperature uh -huh. is one option, or you can just throw it in the fridge. And what does it do? What's the benefit <clears throat> of that? So it's a really powerful um, food source for gut bacteria. Um, really good for improving insulin sensitivity. Uh, so this is like, you know, a lot of people struggle with insulin resistance, yeah. but I think primarily it's, it's a, it's like a fiber source, but it's a really potent fiber source for gut bacteria that your gut bacteria, these microbes that live in your large intestine, they consume this resistant starch and they churn out metabolites like butyrate, butyric acid, mm -hmm. which is a short chain fatty acid that's known to be really quite anti-inflammatory. Um, so you end up getting this like you end up like firing up this like anti-inflammatory drug factory in your gut by eating resistant starch. So you take a potato, you cool it down for how long? Yeah, you just, well, you bring it to room time. You take a, yeah, you bring time. it to room. And you'll actually, you could notice that there's a texture change in mm -hmm. the potato. I do. It, it starts to like gel a little bit. Um, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's not so fluffy kind it's of It's not thing. so fluffy and grainy, yeah. yeah. Um, you could also throw it in the fridge and like one one meal prep tip is you can batch make a bunch of potatoes um, and throw them in the fridge and then use them later on in like scrambles or or for like, you know, future meals because you'll already have retrograded the starch in the potato. And so that's great. Yeah, I love that. So it's, it's a good food. Act. And also and potatoes are not the only starch that have that um, ability. Rice 
can become retrograde resistant starch. One of the reasons why sushi rice is great. It's like cooked and cooled rice, right? Right. Um, you can do the same thing. Not that I, you know, I don't, I don't eat pasta, but like, or wheat based pasta, but you can do the same thing with pasta. I believe um, legumes are another source of resistant starch. So cooling your starches is a really good strategy. And so the benefits would be, like you said, ins- for insulin. Less, re- yeah. Also it- like less carbs, like less of a glycemic impact of these foods. Those are great. So you take the same potato one is freshly cooked, one is cooked and cooled. The net carbohydrate content of the one that was cooked and cooled is less than the freshly baked potato. That's a great one. So if I take French fries and just cool them down, does that work you too? You could potentially. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Baked French fries. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely could. Or I was thinking more not baked. I wouldn't do not baked because of the, of the, the unhealthy oil. fats, you know. And the oils. Well, the other ones, like you were saying, like olive, let's talk about the olive oil. Like people are blending these olive oils without even, would I not know if it's blended? Because you're talking about like olive oils that have been blended. Yeah. You just want to look on the, on the. On oh, the, so it'd say like extra it would say It would say blend. Yeah. What are the best oils to cook with? Coconut oil? Olive oil. I don't really. Oh, so cook. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> avocado. That's what I didn't mean. That. Yeah. Right? Avocado oil. Avocado oil is great. Yeah. Coconut oil is great. Um, butter and ghee occasionally I'll use, but primarily it's extra virgin olive oil and it's avocado oil. It's a myth that you can't cook with with extra virgin olive oil. You can just I would. The smoke use point it. though I thought was not high enough. It's not super high. It's higher with avocado oil, but for low to medium heat, it's perfectly fine to cook with extra virgin olive oil. So let's talk quickly about foods that are seemingly considered to be healthy for us, but they're actually not healthy, but people yeah. think that they're super healthy. There are a lot of those. I know. Yeah. Let's name, let's talk about a, your top two. Yeah. I think um, agave syrup is one of those that a lot of people think is healthy. Do they still think that's healthy? Well, I, I'll walk through, I mean, not to bring up everyone again, but like. <laughs> but you have to. Yeah. Do I'll they wa- pay you on the side? Come they on. Do, absolutely they not. No, they definitely don't. I've never gotten so much as even like a meal credit. Uh, I mean, they should. <laughs> you should be on some kind of like retainer for that. No, I've never it's gotten any. Really sad. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, lots of products in there or in Whole Foods will still like proudly promote on, it. Promote that they're sweet. It's sweetened with agave syrup. Yeah. I think it, it's got a health halo on it. I don't know because people perceive it as being natural. It comes from the blue agave plant or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like 80% fructose, which is right. just this like pure isolated. Um, sugar that has a has a, a metabolic um, effect on the body that you know when we're eating it in this extracted isolated form, it's not good. Isn't maple syrup so much better than that? Because it's a natural. Form. Yeah, maple syrup is better. It's still very calorie dense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, ma- maple syrup is a better option. And honey. Honey's honey good. Honey? Honey's good. Yeah, they're all different. There are a number of different. But there's like, a lot of calories in all of them, and a lot. A lot. It's, all, it's yeah. all sugar. Yeah. It's like pure sugar. Yeah, I'm very pro like i mean i'll use like monk fruit stevia i'm there's a lot of people that like for some reason don't like certain sugar alcohols like erythritol mm-hmm. like i'm i'm super on board with erythritol you xylitol. are yeah i am i think erythritol is great allulose is another good non-caloric sweetener yeah people are not like why is that why is there such a bad because like, here's the thing some on sh- halo on those <clears> things yeah some sugar alcohols mm-hmm. I think people have bad experiences with certain sugar. I mean, sugar alcohols is like a category. There's a there's a million of them. There's like tons of different sugar alcohols. Right. Maltitol, sorbitol. The bloat is supposed to be bloating as well. Oh, it does. If you eat too much of of certain sugar alcohols, right. you'll get like crazy like gas and diarrhea that you've never experienced in your life. If you if you right. overindulge on some of them, and they they use them, they use these sugar alcohols in various, uh, you know, sugar free. Right. processed foods like dietetic foods 
And so people will think that it's like a free ride. They'll eat lots of whatever it is. Right. Like I remember there was a chocolate bar that Trader Joe's used to make. They probably still make it. That's a sugar-free dark chocolate bar that I used to buy. And it had a lot of the, it, had, it was like sweetened primarily with the, with sugar alcohols. With, with these in with particular. These ones, yeah. Yeah. And I remember not like being all that aware of what was in them. And I would just like overindulge in them. And I would notice I'd get so bloated afterwards. And I was like, is that the chocolate or is that something in the chocolate? Yeah, right, right. That's causing this effect. And it's like one of them. It's like sorbitol or maltitol. I think those are the two primary. Sorbitol is Splenda or otherwise known as Splenda, isn't it? No. No, it's not sucralose. That's yeah. sucralose. Sorry, yeah, yeah. right. But sorbitol actually is, um, I, I believe it's sorbitol that's uh, naturally occurring in prunes. One of the major reasons why prunes are such a powerful laxative is that they're very high in, I believe it's sorbitol, but it's, if it's not sorbitol, it's one of these sugar alcohols. Really? It's naturally occurring in prunes. Yeah, a lot of people think that prunes have this effect of making you go to the bathroom because of the fiber. It has nothing yeah. to do with the fiber in prunes. It's a, it's like a, almost like a drug-like effect. If you eat enough prunes, you're within an hour, you're going to be sitting on the toilet. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's because of, it's because of the, pre, the, the presence of certain sugar alcohols in prunes. But I didn't know that. But what's important, I think the nuance here is that not all sugar alcohols have that effect. So some of them don't get absorbed and they make their way all the way down to the large intestine mm -hmm. where they get fermented by the bacteria that live there. And some also have the effect of drawing water into the gut. And so that's where you get the diarrhea and the gas and all these problems that occur because these sugar alcohols, they don't get absorbed right. and they end up in the large intestine in that, you know, colonic microflora environment. But erythritol, it gets mostly like the vast majority of it actually is absorbed in the small intestine and then you just pee it out. Really? So that's why it doesn't really have the same GI effect. Oh, as uh, like the sorbitol or maltitol. There's there's like a few others. Um, they're very confusing though. They all sound similar when they're very complicated. To yeah, say. yeah. But I'm pro erythritol. Like I, I personally eat that stuff all the time. I have no no affiliation with any. Are you a big cook? I mean, you have a cookbook, but you, I am. Yeah, yeah. Are you actually are these your recipes? Yeah, I mean, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, I've, okay. I've, I've worked with a recipe developer on a on a handful of them. A lot are my own recipes. But that you actually do like you like to. Oh, cook. yeah. No, no. I actually do cook. Yeah, I, I had okay. to take up cooking when my mom got sick. And so I started cooking for like my brothers and myself. And it's also a healthier way to eat. Totally. You know, so because when you go to a, even if you're ordering like so like pristinely at a restaurant, you got to add on another 500 calories because you don't know what they're even cooking on. They could be cooking on lard for all you know, or doing oh, yeah. all these added, you know, things that you don't even think about. Oh yeah. So eating it, eating at home, being able to cook at home and eating at home is associated with better metabolic health, better cardiovascular health, better neurological health, better, like lower BMI. And also improve family dynamics. Like cooking together as a family is one of the best ways to bring the family closer together. I think that's so true. Yeah. So true. And it's become like a lost, a lost thing. Like people are not doing it at all anymore. It's so easy, even, even, uh, well now the pandemic, maybe not, but people, people like order in or they do takeout or they're going to rest. No one's really cooking together communally. Yeah. At it's all. A, it's a lost art. It that's, is a lost art. One of the reasons why I want to write Genius Kitchen. I mean, it's it's a great. I mean, some of those recipes are actually. I shouldn't say it so surprisingly. They're they were actually very. No, yeah, I can cook. Impressive. No, and they're I, impressive. And I, and I worked with somebody, but but no, I mean, I like if you look at my Instagram, like I've got recipes. I've I've gotten into the recipe like over time. I no, you, know, you they I know like you your page even you have a lot of food stuff. You and guitar. Yeah. I see you playing a little bit of the guitar. 
we haven't even talked about that. My God, I feel like this has to be part one and part two. Part we'll do three. it. We'll do a part two. We'll do a part two. Wait, uh, okay. How about foods for your optimizing your brain? Because I was gonna, I wanted to really talk about that, and we really didn't really speak that much about it. But we got pretty sidetracked. But this is a I really know. good conversation. No, it, I mean, it was a pleasure talking to you. But besides, like, I think I'm so sick of hearing wild salmon, blueberries. You know, can you give people a few things that maybe are not so obvious that people can hmm. think of for to optimize your brain? Yeah. We've heard that we've heard the same things over and over again. We have. I mean, I'm a big advocate and all Avocado. of well, you know, I, I truly believe that animal products, I mean, we were talking about protein quality, yeah. I think, but like grass fed beef, eggs, I think these are really, really important brain foods. Um, I agree. Did you ever have that guy on your podcast? The carnivore guy. Paul Saladino. Yeah. Yeah, him. I've had him on. Yeah. We disagree about, obviously, the, the place of vegetables. And he's definitely oh, shifted over time. Has he? Is he's, I thought he was hardcore not eating anything. No, he now eats like fruit and honey and avocados and things like that. So Since when? I don't know, since a couple months ago. I mean, he's a, he's a good guy, very smart. Um, but he's, he's flip-flopped a little bit. <laughs> it, well, his whole thing was, I will eat the, you know, from, was it tip? He eats like everything, like the groin of the cloud. Oh to, my God. Yeah. To, Test bull testicle. Yeah. Bull testicle. And blood. I saw him on his Instagram drinking like turkey blood the other day. I commented and I was like, he was like talking about how our ancestors used to do this. I was like, my ancestors did not do this. Nor he was like, yeah, I. they probably did. I was like, no, Jews would not do that. Jew no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Have you not seen about the cud? Did you not tell him about what kosher means? Uh, yeah. No, no, not happening. So then where, where did he switch? Like, where did he pivot? Because he was pretty hardcore not even eating a piece of broccoli. You know, I don't know where it happened for him. I'm just glad that it happened. I think that's one of the true signs of somebody who's like really authentic in their journey is mm -hmm. somebody who's willing to... Um, change their mind about things. Yeah, he was staunchly anti any kind of plant material for a very long time. Absolutely. Um, not even necessarily a very long time. I mean, he was he was. I think he had been on the carnivore diet for like two years, two and then years. he started proselytizing it. And then he he's a doctor too. You know, he's a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he realized the value of honey. I think it had to do with him spending time with the Hazda. He went on a journey where he was spending time with hunter-gatherers and he saw how much they inter would integrate honey into their diet and it just you know for him it that's i think the evidence that he needed to know that not all produce is created equally, equal you know but i mean he sh i think in all fairness to like the science i mean I right. think he should have he sh he never should have <clears throat> drawn such a hard line to begin with no i know because, that was so, that's so extreme it's so yeah. crazy i mean there, that, that to me was like it was just it was crazy it was, how long can you be doing that yeah i mean you think for health purposes but you know you said something i wanted to ask you i forgot what do you think about i think there's now like a lot more people are doing this um eating fruit till noon situation only fruit till noon what do you think of that is that good or bad in your opinion uh, I, there's really no like reason why they should, you know, fruit at <laughs> noon is going to be no fruit different noon. from the standpoint. Yeah. But it's going to be like what you can't eat it at 2 PM. Uh, that, to it, me, it just sounds like a way of, of controlling like calories, controlling your calories. Yeah. But are you a fruit person? I am. Yeah. I love whole fruit, but I eat fruit like in moderation. I eat whole fruit, okay. you know, zero to to twice a day is sort of how how I integrate it. I don't like feel like I need to eat it every day, but I certainly enjoy the occasional Honeycrisp apple or, you know, now we're it's seasonal for 
uh, sumo oranges are in season. I freaking love those things. Mm, you know, the big, know. Super, I'm a huge fruit person. Yeah, I, I love it. fruit. I love fruit. Um, Do you think it's very like fattening though? If you eat too much of it, are you one of those? I mean, fruit it's sugar. So it's a bit sugar. Yeah, fruit fruit has calories, so it doesn't get like a free pass or anything like that. But I think the beautiful thing about whole fresh fruit, as opposed to dry fruit or fruit juice, is that it's very satiating because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of water in it. It's got a lot of fiber. Um, it's got a lot of minerals and and stuff like that. So it's it's self-limiting in the sense that there are only so many whole apples you can consume, right? Well, yeah, I mean. I mean, I could eat like, after one, I'm satiated. I don't feel the need to eat two. I don't know about you. Well, I can and eat I like love two. Apples. I love apples. That's yeah. like, I can eat like two and then probably. But wait, I cut you off. So tell me some foods that, brain foods, and then we can wrap it up. God knows what time it is. Lord, this has been forever. Okay. Oh man, so good though. I, I mean, it feels, feels Quick. It's been like short, almost uh, two hours. We've well, covered so many, so many different topics. I, um, and I didn't even ask you any of my questions. That's okay. We went to other places. You got to, I you know. know. You have to come we back. We thought on our toes. We're going to do part two on the treadmill though. We'll I'm do part you. two on the treadmill. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Okay. We covered a lot of good stuff. I will say go be easier. Be kind to yourself. So I'm not going to be that kind to myself because I had things I wanted to ask you, but let's talk about Why don't we just do like rapid brain. fire, rapid fire. Okay. Op- okay. Fine. Um, Brain foods, go. Yeah, brain foods. Well, I said eggs, grass-fed beef. Um, um so, is that another food? Uh, it's another food. Category? Uh, dark chocolate. I mean, I know I said I was talking about dark chocolate, lead, mm-hmm. and cadmium. Some brands have have lower concentrations of those heavy metals than others. Um, but I think dark chocolate is a, is a really great brain food. Um, but you don't have to eat any of those foods. I think the best thing that you can do for your brain is to just cut out the ultra-processed foods. You know, the ultra-processed refined grain, convenience, shelf-stable products, and also ditch the grain and seed oils. Like canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, et cetera. And there's also I saw that the even though their their smoke point is super high, which is why people use them, you're it's already toxic at a lower a lower uh, temperature. You said yeah, those kinds of oils. Yeah, they boast very high smoke points, and they're processed so that they have um, high smoke points for cooking. But right. that has no bearing on the stability of the oil in terms of its chemistry. Right. And a damaged oil can damage you. So I implore people to cut those oils out a little bit here and there. No harm, no foul. The dose makes the poison. But um, but I think from the standpoint of the brain, the brain is made of fat. So you really want to feed your body the best fats that you can that you can afford to feed it. Right. And that, I think, means cutting out the industrially refined grain and seed oils that are seemingly everywhere in the modern food environment. OK, mouthwash. Why is it bad for you? Totally. Mouthwash, yeah, that's a tangent. Well, mouthwash destroys indiscriminately oral bacteria. So it destroys like the bad bacteria that can cause dental caries. And um, I just picked a question from each area. Bad breath. Yeah. But it also kills off the good bacteria that we want in our mouths. And the oral microbiome helps us synthesize nitric oxide, which um, we talked about in the context of saunas, mm-hmm. right? But nitric oxide. Again, it helps to fortify vascular health. So the health of our cardiovascular system. Nitric oxide is super, super important. And so when you eat foods like arugula, like uh, any dark leafy green really, um, beets, which are a very high source of dietary nitrates, um, the oral bacteria synthesize these compounds which increase nitric oxide in your vasculature, in your arteries. And so... That boosts blood flow to the brain. It's really good for sexual function. It's important for insulin signaling. It's a it's a crucially important um, <clears throat> compound. But 
as I mentioned, we rely on oral bacteria to do that job. Mm -hmm. And so if you're nuking that, that, that beneficial bacteria, um, you're basically shortchanging the ability of your food to have a cardioprotective effect. So you could be eating all the vegetables and healthy foods, beets, whatever, mm -hmm. that, you know, you could be making a real effort, right? Like to be, to be eating a salad every day, for example. But if you are nuking the bacteria that live in your mouth, you're not really deriving um, all of the value of those foods that you should be. Uh, There's the, also evidence yeah. that shows that mouthwash after exercise can reduce some of the blood pressure lowering effects of exercise. Really? Yeah. So mouthwash is definitely something that you want to avoid. I mean, specifically ant antiseptic mouthwash, like alcohol based or I don't know what so they're. So you don't, you don't use any mouthwash? No, I don't use any mouthwash. Yeah, definitely not. You know, medically, I, sometimes there's a necessity for it. And that's fine. But um, day to day. Day to day, you don't. Yeah. You know, I should ask you, I mean, I want to ask you this. It was doesn't really fall into any category, but you do so much research and you're like, you, you just are so knowledgeable. You know, but I lost my taste in my smell when I got COVID, even though I've been vaccinated and I still have not got it back. And I think from because of it, I've talked to so many people and it's the same with everybody. Like, like a lot of people are still, you know, lost their sense of taste and smell. They still have not got it back. Do you have any suggestions or any information or I don't know, ideas of how people can get it back? Me? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I'm just going to throw my own hypothesis mixed, your mixed with anecdote into the mix. I had COVID too, and I didn't lose my sense or smell at all. When did you get it? Of taste or smell at all. I got it in, um, I believe it was like July mm, of, of okay. this past year. Um, and I had it like, my symptoms were not, were not super mild. Like I was pretty sick for like eight days. Oh, um, that's yeah, yeah. But uh, but I didn't lose my ta my sense of taste or smell, and those are neurological symptoms. Yeah, it's brain. It's for your yeah. brain. Yeah. So my hypothesis is, and I can't prove this, but um, that it's my it's the diet, it's the genius foods, it's the fact that I'm eating these foods on a on a consistent basis that are helping sort of guard, you know, provide protection to my brain. We know that um, mm. carotenoids, you know, DHA fat. And again, I'll never be able to prove this. I eat so much of that, though. It's an anecdote. There's no research, but it's just me kind of speculating as to why. Because everybody else that I know lost their sense of taste and smell. And I didn't, not even for a day. So, But how do you get it back is the question. I've been trying to train my yeah. brain by smelling essential oils and doing all sorts of like whatever, wacky things. But nothing seems to be working. Yeah, I don't know. No, oh God, Max! I thought you would like surprise me with yeah, some no, I, like tidbit. I, th I think that um, on that note. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I mean, here I'm like, I think it's. You know, if you don't know something, you should say that you don't know something. But I think you I know. My, I would. I would speculate that um, eating brain foods uh, will help. I mean. Also, exercise. We know that exercise is good for the brain. Boosts blood flow to the I brain. I do it every day, babe. I mean, doesn't work. Healing. Yeah. Healing requires nutrition, good nutrition. I know. Well, maybe you can research it and come back for part two and I let will, me know. There is data that suggests that healthy diets are associated with better COVID outcomes. Totally. Like this, you know, I was sick stuff. for a and day and a half. Yeah. And I, it's just this one lingering thing. I think I have it back a was little bit. Was it recent? Bit. How recent was it? Yeah. Like, yes. No, I'm joking. Yesterday. Oh, no, I'm joking. Um, I'm de I tested negative a bunch since, but three weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I would give it some time. That was still... That's still pretty recent. And you probably had like Omicron, which is 
Primarily, it, it, it looks like an upper respiratory condition, which yeah. is actually a good thing. Super congested. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, had, I was it kind of flu like for a day and a half, but it's really the congestion that killed me. Yeah. I so. had I mean, I probably what I had was Delta, which was not not as mild. I mean, I was fine. I was never at risk, you know, as far as I know, n- knew of going to the hospital or anything like that. Um, you just felt like shit. I just felt like shit. Yeah. yeah. Like a town. I was like, I lived, <laughs> you couldn't peel me off my couch for eight days. That's a long time. Yeah. I actually think I actually had Delta because you don't lose your, mm. from what I understand, you don't lose your taste and your smell with Omicron. Omicron? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I haven't yeah. heard that. You don't. It's much. more like achy for a few yeah. days. It's super, it's the most mild of all of them, but it's the Delta that you're losing your taste and, this, and your smell and the other, whatever it was before. Wow. Yeah. You got, you got lucky. What's the hybrid Delta Cron? Delta Cron? Yeah, maybe there, I have that. Yeah. Or maybe you had Fluorona. Fluorona. <laughs> or what? Exactly. There's all these different like. Fluorona is Fluorona's like the big thing right now. But then by tomorrow or next week, there'll be like four other variants. Fluor- it's like it's like the new Sharknado. Yeah, it's Sharknado. 2022 Sharknado. <laughs> it's so true though. It, it literally does sound like a bad. Oh, it does. Like straight to video yeah, horror movie. Like a home, like but, a home video. Yeah, but I feel like we're. I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think Omicron is a blessing in disguise based on based on the current data. Because it keeps on getting mo- uh, more mild and yeah, lighter yeah, yeah. and it's lighter. It's increasing in, trans- in transmissibility, but who cares if it's less virulent? Yeah, it's less 100% severe. true, right? Yeah, that is going to usher in natural herd immunity. Yeah. And act as like a booster for everybody who's gotten their vaccines, right? Right, absolutely. That's why. Like, and I'm- for those who haven't. So it's a... Uh, so it's, I feel, I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But, oh, geez. Okay, we're going to wrap this because we have a whole other thing we're doing right now. Oh, man. Yeah. Max and I are now moving to the kitchen and we're going to be doing a cooking with Cohen episode. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. I love having you on. So, I mean, not for, for people who don't know Max and you're just like getting to know him now. Uh, Max, tell us and tell people where they can find you and all your wonderful details absolutely your address phone number for the ladies (laughs) (laughs) um definitely pick up my new book genius kitchen which is uh, a kitchen resource and recipe book it's probably gonna be a bestseller like all the other ones oh man i don't know i hope so i I worked really hard on it i'm very very proud of the format it's not just a recipe book it's got a lot of information in it he worked really hard on the on the photo on the uh photo shoot yeah (laughs) it looks great it looks great it looks great um i host my own podcast called the genius life number one right in health uh, it's been number one. I don't think it's currently number one, but it's it's definitely it's, it's a great a podcast. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. That means a lot coming from you. And I'm on Instagram at Max at Max Lugavir. Yes, easy to find. Yes, and uh, thank you, Jen. You're so so knowledgeable, so cute. I love having you, and thank you for being a guest. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. 
Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.